Welcome back to Project.Ocean, a story told in parts. My name is still Joey Ammons, and the fact you are listening to this means that I have received my third unlabeled black envelope. Inside was chapter three to the mysterious manuscript titled Odd Ocean, from the author known only to me as D. Let's do this, Heavy D. If this is your first time listening, I highly recommend that you return to episode one as this is a serial podcast, and this chapter, while still incredibly interesting, will make less sense if you do not know what happened prior. Spoilers ahead. Turn back, for ye be warned! Last episode, after a strange experience with a pop-up ad, Charlotte deduced that the engram from her last loci venture was, in fact, coordinates to a park uptown not far from her current location. We also learned that Zoe is a big dummy who can't even properly eavesdrop. The promotion he mistaken to be Charlotte's was actually his own. Good thing, though. Charlotte was relieved. Zoe's uncle runs a falafel cart, and he's basically a sandwich savant, and kinda Zoe's dad. Hmm. Man, I could really go for a falafel right now. And I'll take it with this damned spiced truffle oil, too. When they get to the park's coordinates, they discover that TR Root is actually a description of ugly tree roots that look like old Teddy Rosie. How many depictions in the U.S. does that dude have to have? Was a 60-foot hunk of rock not big enough for his face already? How come we couldn't get, like, a founding mother up in those roots? Come on, D. I have notes. Then she found a Polaroid with her face and a family on it, and she remembers nothing from that event. And then some creepy music played, like... My heart would stop if that ever happened to me. My wid. Uzo 3-7. Light in aroma. Dry in taste. This ep goes out to my old high school friend, who I didn't go to high school with, Demetrios, who first showed me that an ouzo is a delicious drinko. And I liked it because I like candy. I don't really care for licorice, but I do like ouzo, and it tastes like what I wish licorice tastes like. Thank you, Demetrios. I miss you well. And in regards to your note regarding Darla, I have to agree. It kind of sounds like I just promoted the use of alcohol to kids by describing it as candy. So I'm obligated to say that kids shouldn't drink. Your brains are bad for it. It's like a brain killer. It's only intended for people like Charlotte who are so smart they need to kill part of their brains just to function on a human level. Actually, I don't think she's much of a drinker. One final note. This podcast contains multi-ethnic, queer, binary, non-binary, and a wonderfully diverse array of characters. I will strive to portray these characters in their most honest forms and without stereotype. If I fall, you will catch me. Will you be waiting? Secrets stolen from deep inside, starting to sound like this story, time after time. If I fall, you will catch me. You'll be waiting. Time after time. Time after time. I don't even serenade Rachel like that. OMG, on with chapter three of Odd Ocean. Aleph was his name, Charlotte thought. She was holding the singed photograph of the family she could not recall knowing. She was sitting in her desk, in her room, in nothing but her underwear. As the air conditioner in her small apartment suddenly died earlier that day, and the heat was unbearable. She forced her concentration on the photograph. A lamp illuminated her desk, 
in some faded ink, probably from a ballpoint pen, Sir Aleph, she read on the back of the photograph. It was an odd and old world name. Was that Slavic or Nordish, she wondered. She deduced the Sir before the name indicated that only the person dressed as a knight or Sir in the photograph would be this Aleph. This was only true if the photograph was authentic, which it certainly appeared to be. So it stood to reason that she must have known this Aleph, and that she somehow lost the memory of ever knowing him. But there was more to it than that. Charlotte reflected on the origin of the engram that led her to the finding of the photograph. It was this cat gremlin, an entity that she also had never recalled seeing before. Charlotte knew that all things from Loki are from herself, even if buried deep down from within her subconscious. For some reason, this rogue engram reactivated and resurfaced to her in the form of the cat gremlin. But what was the trigger? There had to be a trigger, a cause to the effect. This engram by and for herself led her to this photograph, and she or someone else more than likely placed the photograph there and attempted to destroy it permanently. Had there been anything else destroyed? Perhaps there was a whole cache of things. Keepsakes or charms? She had precious few of these in her possession. She did not consider herself sentimental, and most of her belongings were things of purpose, save for a couple items. Charlotte's hand shot up to the mirror ball pendant hanging from her neck. Reassured by its presence, she massaged it between forefinger and thumb. It was somehow still cool to the touch despite the stifling heat. Then Charlotte considered the message written on the photograph in her own hand. Return here in loci. What was meant by that, she wondered. Return to the memory? How? Charlotte retrieved a magnifying glass from the second drawer of her desk and studied the photograph more carefully. The man with disheveled charcoal hair and blue eyes was wearing the comically hackneyed white fur and royal red cape of a king and a gold foil costume crown to match. The woman was wearing a long cocktail gown paired with a similar queen's crown, but her face was obscured by a masquerade cowl. The boy whose top half had been singed substantially, was wearing a knight's costume, accompanied with a sword. But there was something unusual about the way he was carrying the sword. It was as if he was propping himself upright with it. Upon closer examination, Charlotte could make out the rubber foot of a cane. The boy was gripping it on a perpendicular, as if the sword cardboard cutout had been applied cheaply to the front of the cane. She ran the glass over herself again to see if she had missed anything. Immediately, she could tell she was wearing braces at the time the photograph was taken, which would mean she was probably 11 or 12. She had her braces removed just before her 13th birthday. She could still remember the way she used to prod at the metal fittings with her tongue. How could it be that she could retain this detail, sensory though it was, and yet not retain memories about a person or people she knew? Was it nothing more than a newer, more acute glitch caused by the use of the loci method? A cost to her strange gift? Charlotte cracked open her laptop and called up a browser window. In the search query, she cross-referenced the terms Aleph and Gorge Sylvania. Gorge Sylvania was the town she would have been living in at that age, and spent most of her child in before her family moved. Before her family fell apart. She put that daunting thought aside. Gorge Sylvania was on the southeast edge of the old Slow Mountains, and was so named for its wide and steep valley that the town had grown up around. Gorgeous Gorge Sylvania, known to local enthusiasts, or Grog Sylvania, to the disillusioned youth waiting to leave their hometown. Charlotte did not choose to leave, 
but as with all young children whose fate is determined by their parents, leave she had to. One of the search results piqued Charlotte's interest. Quote, Gorge Sylvania man files missing persons report for an alleged missing son. Timothy Rook Erickson, local resident of Gorge Sylvania and widower to the late Trudy Erickson, had filed with the local sheriff's department a missing persons report. The child in question is said to have short crop black hair with dark hazel eyes and is about 12 years in age. We spoke with Sheriff Wilker about the child in question. Initially, when we receive a request for a missing person, especially a child, we immediately issue an Amber Alert, no questions asked, because the first 24 hours are critical to recovering the child. But we asked Wilkers about how it was possible that there was no record of this child, and he had this to say. Well, the case is very peculiar, though not unheard of. Usually we issue the Amber Alert after getting the description from the initial source. In this case, it was the child's father. If we cannot find a person in the system, we usually ask more follow-up questions. Sometimes unofficial adoptions happen, or at-home childbirths can, on occasion, lead to unregistered children with barely any paper trail. If the child is healthy, and they have no medical history, you can end up with cases where the child is completely off the grid. No records. Not even a social. We followed up with the county public school system and discovered that there were no records for an Aleph Erickson. Frankly, we just don't know why there's no record, but despite that, we're still taking the case seriously and have begun assembling search parties to scan the areas he'd been last seen, Willikers added. Timothy Erickson was not available for comment. Neighbors of the family cannot recall ever seeing a boy with the Ericksons. We should note that due to the late Trudy Erickson's immediate relationship with this publication, many of us here at the Gorge Sylvania Gazette are devastated at this news. We are obligated to admit that we, here at the Gazette, have no recollection of this child or of her ever mentioning him, though that does not sway our concerns. We will be tracking the story closely and will follow up with the information as it becomes available. A drawing based on Erickson's description has been added. If you do see a child matching this description, please contact the local sheriff's office. The image the article was referring to was a broken link, and therefore no sketch of this Aleph was available. Just for posterity, Charlotte entered in the search query, Aleph Erickson, though she expected to find nothing. She was right. There were many Ericksons and several Aleph's, but no Aleph Ericksons. Then Charlotte searched for the records on the boy's parents. Had the boy's mother died, then there would be, no doubt, an obituary. Charlotte quickly entered Trudy Erickson obituary into the search query. The results immediately called up a page from the same newspaper in their obituary section. Quote, Mrs. Trudy Erickson, 36, longtime Sylvania County native, died in Memorial County Hospital Thursday afternoon, December 18, following a short illness. She was born in Paulson, Massachusetts, to Jim and Mildred Salish. She worked as a journalist here at the Gorge Sylvania Gazette for seven years. Services will be held at the Church of Christ, survived by her husband, Timothy Rook Erickson. Charlotte read back the key words from the last line again to herself survived by her husband, but no mention of a son. Then Charlotte entered into the search query, Timothy Erickson. The search engine called up dozens of pages on people with that name, as it was far more common than Aleph. There were several doctors, a musician, a lawyer, dozens of Timothy Ericksons. She cross-referenced Timothy Erickson and Gorge Sylvania and only found instances of the same musician-listed touring dates and locations that included the Black Walnut, a local music venue but it could not have been the right one. This Tim Erickson was only 10 or so years older than Charlotte, much too young to sire a child in the same group as Charlotte. Charlotte closed the laptop. 
The search for Timothy Erickson came up fruitless, and with the mother's face obscured by the mask, the only way to confirm the boy's knight's identity as Aleph was to confirm that the Tim Erickson reference in the Gorge Sylvania Gazette articles and the man dressed as the king in the photograph were one and the same. Someone, before her apparent bout of amnesia, had thought that the boy dressed as the knight was Aleph, and implied so by writing it on the photo. Charlotte had to seek out more information. Gorge Sylvania was not large at all, and her father was well known on account of his supervisory position at the paper company there. Perhaps he could shed some light on the matter. Certainly he would be able to at least confirm if she had experienced memory problems before. She had to find out even if the thought was disconcerting. She picked up her phone and dialed her father's number. It rang several times. No answer. She hung up and tried again. Hey, sorry about that. Work's been crazy. That was everything, answered her father in his familiar mountain drawl. The folksiness of his accent came and went depending on who he was addressing. Charlotte herself had purged the accent from her speech altogether, but it peeked through at times. Still coming down for Christmas? We missed you last year, he asked. Yes, flight lands at 12.07 on the 24th, she answered. Hmm, won't be able to pick you up at that time. Can you get a friend to pick you up? It's fine, I'll book a rental, Charlotte said. She assumed as much. Oh, good. So we should expect you around that time? Yes, she replied. Great, hon. Well, it's still a ways off, but it'll be good to see you. Y'all still experiencing that Indian summer up there, too? Yeah, AC's broken and it's still record heat, she explained. Damn, he said, but not offering much in the way of help. You got someone up there who can work it out, super, or... Yes, she said. Charlotte could feel some resentment wallow up inside her at the dismissive reply, but she had more pressing matters. She swallowed, stealing herself at what she had to ask. Oh, hey, Dad, uh, you remember Gorge Sylvania? Yes. Her father's voice changed to a lower register, which was unsettling to Charlotte. I- I- I've brought this up before, Charlotte asked. Charlotte could hear an audible sigh through the phone. Hello? What's wrong? She said. Uh, I'm here. What were you going to ask? He said cautiously. Charlotte sensed his reticence, but continued anyways. We were there for how many years when I was growing up? Uh, About twelve. The paper company had been closing for about half that time, and we were still selling off assets. Yeah, twelve years. His voice was cool and professional, as if he was going over company notes with his assistant. Okay, so now I'm gonna ask you if I ever knew anyone, uh, a boy. Her father interrupted her with a deeper, exasperated sigh. Hun, you gotta stop this, he urged. We've been through this before, remember? You must remember that at least. Huh? Been through what? Charlotte asked. Have you been taking your medication? Her father asked. Yes, she lied as she opened a drawer, quietly revealing several prescription bottles of blue gel capsules. All of the bottles were still sealed shut. They rendered her an intellectual eunuch. Specifically, they made her loci ventures impossible, and so she did not, could not use them. She heard another long, exasperated sigh. Listen, Charlotte, this is very important. You need to listen carefully to me now. Is your wallet with you? The red one I gave to you for your birthday. Charlotte eyed the wallet that was still laying on her desk from when she retrieved the photograph. Yes, but I... Okay, Charlotte's father said with a heavy breath. Open it up. 
Now look in the back. There should be more hidden sleeve inside the lining. Look for a bright yellow business card. There should be a number on it for uh, Dr. Highwind. Do you see? Following his instructions, she procured the curious yellow business card that she had no memory of from her wallet. I have it, she said hesitantly. Now there's a number for Dr. Highwind on that card. You need to set up an appointment with her in Midtown immediately after you get off the phone with me. You have to promise me. Can you do that? Yes, Charlotte heard herself say. You've seen her several times before, and I know this might be difficult. But as your father, you have to trust me, okay? Okay, Charlotte said, still in shock, jogging her memory for any Dr. Highwinds. Now what are you doing when you get off the phone with me? he asked. I was going to... What? Charlotte's mind was racing, darting around, trying out answers, weighing possibilities. You need to call and make an appointment with Dr. Highwind in Midtown, he said in a calm tone. Now say it back to me. I, I will, but you need to give me some kind of explanation first. I, I could tell I've asked about this before. Just tell me what's happening. I, I will leave it alone. I trust you, she lied. Okay, her father said again, engaging with the same diplomatic tone she had heard him use when making a business deal. You claim to have had a friend back in Gorge, Sylvania. When we moved away, you became obsessed. Do you remember? Charlotte did not reply, and so he continued. You kept a wall in your room, circling newspaper clippings. You stopped working on your studies for a while, which you totally earned. What was that, your sec degree? But then something happened. You don't remember, right? No, she said. She could hear the quivering in her own voice as if it had come from someone else. It must have been her voice. The card was trembling in her hand. Charlotte, her father sighed again. This is something we have been working on together. We will get through this, hon. A sudden terrible feeling of raw chaos and panic washed over her, and a feeling she only described to herself as doomy. She did her best to conceal it through the phone. With the business card still in hand, she gripped the mirror ball pendant. Her breathing steadied, the trembling stopped, and she found her footing. I will call and make an appointment with Dr. Highwind in Midtown after I get off the phone, she recited back to him. Okay, good, good, see? This is how this works. Now promise me, hon. I promise, she said. All right, now I'll call and check in soon. Just leave it be. You don't want to go down that path again. Not now. Not after you've just gotten everything back in order, he said. I understand, she said calmly. Perhaps it was the shock of this revelation, or maybe part of her just did not want to know more. Strategically, though, she knew she had reached the breadth of information her father was willing to share on the matter. Bye. Love you, he said. Wait, Dad, she heard herself say. Yes, he asked. She had to ask this question she knew. This. M mother wasn't. This isn't. I I'm not having. The words escaped her. No, he affirmed. The situation with your mother was totally different, and the doctors have assured me on that time and time again. Believe me, we're going to figure this out, and you're going to continue to improve. Charlotte sighed. Okay. She caught a glimpse of her dark silhouette in the mirror on her desk. Love you. Love you, he said again, and the call disconnected. 
Charlotte put down her phone. I do not want to go down that path again, Charlotte repeated what her father said to her. Path? Something had happened to her. He also said she became obsessed after they moved away from Gorge, Sylvania. She organized a list of knowns and unknowns in her mind. Known. There were articles about this family known as the Ericsons. The mother had died, but none of the articles ever mentioned a boy. Even the Amber Alert turned up no information on the existence of an Aleph Erickson. The photo was real, depicted who she believed this family to be, but she still did not have any hard evidence to connect them to the articles. Herself or someone else tried to burn the photograph, and possibly other things. The engram. It came from her own subconscious, but she did not know how. There appeared to be some sort of cycle taking place. She would discover the engram possibly on a loci adventure, much in the same way. Perhaps these engrams always led down to this road, this path, as described by her father. She would always end up here, which led her to this next data set. She would call her father and possibly others to seek out information on Aleph and her father, at least would react this way, distressed and prepared to deal with the problem by consulting a psychiatrist. And finally, most importantly, her father reassured her this was different than her mother. They thought she had to put aside for now. The unknowns list was considerably larger, so much so it was only worth condensing it down into one question. What happens next in the cycle? Now she had a choice to make. If her father was truly concerned about her, he would more than likely call this Dr. Highwind and find out if Charlotte had made an appointment. The only way he could force her to see a doctor would be if he had power of attorney, in which case she could be institutionalized against her will, but only in extreme cases. She resolved that her best course of action was to wait and see if her father would make an attempt to call the psychiatrist directly and to find out if she would receive a call herself. Even if her father did have power of attorney, it was unlikely to escalate to the point of white coats showing up at her door. Was that even a thing or just something she'd seen in old movies, she wondered. More than likely, it would be a psychiatric professional, assisted by standard city police. Something like that happened before? The thought haunted her. She could not even trust her own memories. Her own mind was at fault. What good was any of this? She could feel her heart rate escalating, the sinking feeling of no control, that raw chaos, the doomy feeling bubbling up again. She slammed her fist down onto the hard wooden desk, and then again, Charlotte wanted to push away what all this might mean. She was mad at herself for being so discreet and asking her father. She should have been more cautious. Was it selective amnesia? There were too many variables to this problem. She felt the crushing weight of unknowns wash over her. Charlotte opened the laptop again. She found the two articles from the Gorge Sylvania Gazette. Tim's missing persons report as well as his wife's obituary. She looked at the articles again, studying them word by word. She was not looking for new information. She had to do some reality testing. She printed the articles out and tucked them between the pages of her sketchbook along with the photograph. Perhaps Zoe could confirm the authenticity of these articles for her. That doomy feeling welled up in her again, briefly, and she forced it back down. She had a plan, at least. Then, against her better judgment, Charlotte found herself typing the words selective amnesia into the search query and pressing enter. Her hands were shaking. She had to attempt typing the terms in several times because her fingers kept hitting the wrong keys. She looked at the results. Unable to focus on any particular part of the article, her eyes darted around the page wildly. Certain words jumped out at her. Common events. 
death-suicide, relationships hypnotically induced, frontal lobe damage, trauma, electroconvulsive shock therapy, dissociative episode. Her eyes hovered over the last phrase, dissociative episode. She heard herself say it out loud, dissociative episode. Charlotte's heart was pounding so hard she felt as if it were going to jump out of her chest. She slammed the laptop closed, refusing to believe it, any of it. She reached for her mirrorball pendant with a shaky hand and stroked its cool metal between forefinger and thumb. After a minute or so, she felt the panic melting away from her. Above anything else, Charlotte reassured herself that she could refuse to fear it. She would find a way to understand, and in understanding, she could solve this. It was her nature. That is who she was, she knew. She could find the answers to at least some of these questions from within herself, and that left her with only one thing left to do. She had to return to Loki. Whoa, the plot thickens. Is Charlotte okay? This was a tough chapter to read for sure. I can identify with Charlotte to some extent. I think I must have the world's worst memory. But here's the difference between me and her. I don't get any damn powers. I mean, that's what she's got, right? I'm an artist. Do you know how impactful on my craft it would be if I could activate my imagination and walk through it? I mean, yeah, I've heard of lucid dreaming. I don't think it's real. It certainly has never happened to me, at least. It's 100% made up. What, you don't agree? Let's talk about it. Let's have a chronologically challenged conversation about it. Prove me wrong, listeners. What's your lucid dream? For the first time in your life, someone is genuinely interested in what you dreamed about last night. Unless, of course, it was total mundane nonsense. No one wants to hear about how you forgot pants to wear to your nephew's baseball game, and then missed a flight at the airport. But it was okay because you picked up a guitar for the first time in 15 years, and you shredded your badass self to rock stardom. Okay, but maybe that was my dream. See how disinterested you've become? My wilt. What I'm listening to. My talented writer friends Raj Khanna and Devin Poor have a secret. They are both seated comfortably at the center of a network of the world's most interesting people, and they frequently tap them to be on their podcast, known only as Spirited Discourse. The content ranges in a broad spectrum of geekery from Star Wars to other genre fictions, and like this podcast, the hosts and guests drink adult drink, if you couldn't tell from the title. This concludes another episode of Project Odd Ocean. Friends, I shall wait with you in apprehension for the next black envelope. What will it contain? We can only guess. This has been and forever will be yours truly, Joey Ammons. You can find me on Instagram at powerkid.exe, where I have recently posted fan art of Quintilian in all his splendor. What do you think about that, D? You made it now. Didn't think someone would make art of your little story, did you? See you all next time on another episode of Project Dot Ocean. As of the air conditioner. As of the air conditioner.
She ran the glass over herself again to see if she miss, miss, missed, 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 missed anything. Gorge Sylvania, man, fells a drawing based on Eric and Gorge Sylvania. She would discover the engram, possibly, possibly, possibly. More than likely, it would be a psychic. Tim's missing person report, as well as his...